welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission. Welcome, Life Group Leaders, to this week's episode. We are looking at Matthew 8, 23-27 with our sermon that is entitled, Jesus is Greater than the storm. And I'll read that text for you, Matthew 8, starting in verse 23. And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? The preaching point from this sermon was this, that Jesus calls you to exercise faith in his supreme authority, even in the most fearful circumstances. This preaching point gave us three teaching points that coincide with the verses in this text. And the first one that we started from the end, verse 27, the first point that that coincides with that verse is this, that we need to consider the supremacy of Christ. Uh, It is fundamental to salvation, and it is necessary as we think about following Christ faithfully that we trust and believe that he is supreme over all Things. We can trust in Christ for our salvation because we trust that he reigns supreme over sin and death. And we believe, even as we look at texts like Colossians 1, 15 through 20, John 1, 1, and so forth, those Christological texts that show us the uh, preeminence and the supremacy of Christ uh, help us see that Christ is sufficient for all things in the Christian's uh, life and in the Christian's uh, uh, decision-making. And and we see that if he is sufficient to save, he is sufficient to sanctify, he is sufficient to provide. And uh, that is part of what it entails for us to consider the supremacy of Christ. And this is the exact thing that the disciples had to do in verse 27. They had to, as they looked at the person and and work of Jesus Christ, they had to consider the supremacy when they said in verse 27, what sort of man is this? This is a man who reigns supreme. Point number two, it says to see your lack of faith as a serious problem. You're going to see this, uh, this application question on the back of your note sheet that uh, that we see points to qu- to point number two uh, in question number three and three a uh, that will help us tease out and apply what it means to see your lack of faith as a serious problem uh, and, and it is and what we need to think about and I talked about it a bit in the eleven o'clock is the the concept of faith and the lack thereof being uh, of grave concern to God. Uh, Many people in our culture uh, see our lack of faith as just a byproduct of being human. And although the truth of our humanity does entail this fact that there is a unbelief that God must overcome, uh, 
it doesn't also include the fact that as Christians, we don't have to uh, excel in faith. We, we must excel in faith. What, what way is there to persevere in life if I am not excelling in faith? If my life doesn't, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, produce greater faith in my life. And so to uh, have my life in the force of my decisions driven by convenience or fear or personal advancement or or anxiousness, right? All those things are contrary to the way that God calls us to trust in Christ in our day-to-day living. And I love that when Paul talks over and over again to the churches, he says, let your manner of life, let the way that you walk, peripateo, the way that you go about be worthy of the call that you have received in Christ Jesus. Well, what is this call but a life of faithful followership? a life of faithful discipleship after Christ. And we read that Hebrews 10, 38 and 39 text that says the righteous shall live by faith and we won't shrink back or God would be not pleased with us. But we're not those who shrink back. We're those who uh, proceed in great faith. Uh, However, we all are going to have moments in our life where we lack faith. And the proper response is to turn from our sin in that situation. Even if this, when we think about our sin, right, even if the sin is, I am not trusting, that I lack faith in this situation, that I am in unbelief of God's utter sovereignty and control in this situation. But that is sufficient of a reason to repent and to see that as the problem as we're moving forward in great confidence toward God, that the, the difference between walking forward in great confidence and cowering back and not taking on that problem biblically is faith, the lack of faith. And so I, I trust that that is going to be such an important uh, question and point. I mean, even question number three, read Hebrews eleven five through 6, read Romans fourteen twenty three, and read Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. And the question here is, faith in Christ is not only that which saves you, but that which also sustains you in life. With that in mind, why is lacking confidence in Christ in your day-to-day life incompatible with a genuine profession of faith in Christ? What a wonderful question that's going to, uh, that is going to uh, call us to a place of uh, a confession if necessary. Man, I, yes, I live my life in a way that is incompatible with the profession I make. And I hope what it does is it confronts us and causes us, the people in your life group, all those souls that you're discipling, to confront them, to recognize that they need to trust Christ in their day-to-day life the same way that they trust in Christ to save them. And then the sub-question to question number three is, how does this reminder help you trust more in the grace of Christ to grow your faith in Him? That Ultimately, what we're trusting in is that Christ would produce more faith in us? Uh, I, I think that's going to be a really great question for you guys to uh, sit back on as life group leaders and let that question ride out a little bit and allow people to wrestle with that. I mean, obviously, they've done these questions before you're meeting with them, uh, but definitely allow your group to consider uh, question three and question three A so that they can help one another know how do, how do I apply this? If I want to see my lack of faith as a serious problem, what does that look like, and what does it look like to overcome that lack of faith with understanding the grace of Christ and his supremacy over everything? Point number three is that we need to courageously follow Christ. I would posit this, that there's really no other way to follow Christ. I don't think following Christ is for the weak of heart. I don't think 
uh, following Christ is going to be convenient in, in a lot of ways. Uh, ultimately, it's going to be the, ec- the most excellent thing we could do. Ultimately, it's going to be uh, the most fruitful uh, and life-giving thing that we could do, but it is not going to be an easy thing. Uh, interestingly enough, there are uh, some versions, uh, some translations of verse 26 when Jesus says, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith, that instead of using the word afraid, it uses the word, uh, I believe, coward. I can go back there and, and look and see if I can find it really quick of uh, different versions having different words for that text. Why are you afraid? Why are you fearful? At the Holman Christian Standard Version says that. Uh, I'm looking at some of these to give you guys some uh some examples of this. Most of these say, why are you fearful and why are you afraid? Uh, but even if you look, let's see, right click. And if you look at some of these and if you look at the Greek word and you go into, even if you have Logos, which I hope you do, right? Some of these tools there, like uh, my uh, Launida resource that gives you the semantic domain and usage of these words uh, has it uh described as being cowardly and that the strong nature is like we're not just being passively afraid we're there's an act of cowardice going on as we don't trust in uh, Christ particularly the way that these disciples were dealing with their faith and so in a real way faith is an active courageous pursuit of Christ and uh, I don't there's no other way that we could follow Christ so I think that be helpful uh, and if you're if you guys are I uh, hope dabbling at least dabbling in Logos uh, that'd be a great resource for you to get is Launida, uh, of the resource. Uh, I'll even give you the name of it. The Greek English lexicon of the New Testament based on semantic domains, which is really how are these words used is what that means, the semantic domain. So how are these Greek words used throughout the New Testament? Which I think is a helpful resource because when you, like I just did right there, I was trying to run through some of my translations, couldn't find the exact uh, translation I was looking for, but I was able to go into that Greek word and find uh, the uh, the way that it's used according to the whole New Testament. And it's, it's right there. It talks about this idea of being cowardly. Uh, you see the same thing in Revelation 21.8, but as for the cowardly, right, they, uh, the faithless, the detestable, those people, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. So even that, the fact that the same word is used uh, there in Revelation, very Uh, significant because there is no place for cowardice and and fear when it comes to faithfully following Christ. And so there is a courageous, fearless uh, place of faith when it comes to following Christ. And I hope that that was encouraging as you not only heard of uh, Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah, right, in Hebrews 11.34, but even listening to the testimony of Jerome Russell of being that teenager who died uh, being burned at the stake because of his uh, defense of the gospel. And, and truly, it's not that he just confessed to faith in Christ. He also, even in the midst of his interrogation, was defending the faith of Christ, which uh, really led to the expeditious execution uh, of his life because uh, the his accusers wanted nothing to do with his defense of the gospel. And I just find it so encouraging that he he looked at his suffering and 
could do nothing but look at the joy and consolation that should never have an end. I hope that's encouraging to you guys as life group leaders. And when you get into uh, your life group, it might be good for you to really focus when you think about uh, courageously following Christ. Question 2A ask you guys, and I hope you prepare one of these examples, and maybe it'd be helpful for you to start off in your life group application questions for you guys to share with your life group an experience where you or someone you know trusted in the power and authority of Christ, and that trust engendered great confidence to follow through faithfully in that situation. Much like I think this Jerome Russell testimony that many people were encouraged by after the sermon they were talking to me about it, I think uh, people are going to be very encouraged as they hear real-life stories and testimonies of how people courageously followed Christ because they trusted in his supremacy and uh, they did not allow the lack of faith to be the hindrance in their walk with Christ. I think one of the last little exegetical things I didn't say in the sermon, I think I have said it before in uh, on a Sunday morning, but uh, I think maybe would help you is to remember in verse 26 when it says, why are you afraid? Oh, you a little faith. And all of the usages of this in the New Testament, in the Gospels, it's only pointed towards the disciples. And so Jesus never looks around at other people uh, who aren't following him and says this. He looks at his disciples. And so I think it's a wonderful discipleship phrase of saying, you know, Christ is saying this about the people who are claiming to follow him to really ask and impress upon them. Are you exercising faith in, in Christ? All right, Life Group leaders, uh, remember that on March the 3rd, it's just in a few weeks, we have our next Life Group leader training after the 11 o'clock service in uh, the Compass Room or depending on uh, how many of us, maybe it may, may not be, maybe too small, maybe we'll meet in the auditorium. But uh, either way, nevertheless, we're going to meet on the 3rd, and I'll give you an update on the location of that. Uh, but be, be there. Uh, bring your laptop with you. Uh, bring uh, your law gossip you downloaded on it. We'll do a short training there. We may do uh, a little bit of training on it, maybe how to deal with, with conflict. That may be a good one that we, we may at least address that. I want to help you guys as life group leaders know how to navigate hard questions, tough situations. Uh, but I really want to uh, try to train you guys forward. And what I mean by that is I want to address not only the problems that you currently have, but I want to equip you with tools like Logos to help you learn and grow in your faith that you'd be able to uh, more effectively shepherd the people in your group. Other announcements, just put this on the calendar. I know Easter is coming, but it's, you know, it's not in the next couple of weeks, but it's at least uh, good for you to remember. Uh, good Friday, we have two services, 4.30, 6 p.m. And Easter, we have three services, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. So be praying already which service you're going to attend and, and who you're going to bring with you. We're expecting quite a few people uh, for our Easter services. And so we're going to be having outreach coming up. We're going to have a lot of things attached to that. But what we want you to do is already be working and considering who you're going to be bringing with you to hear the gospel and hear about the resurrection of Christ on Easter. Next Steps Project, we have raised over $170,000 for this project. We're expanding now into the East Warehouse for permanent kids' classrooms, bathroom, kitchenette, multiple classrooms, check-in area, outdoor patio for uh, uh, both to cover up the 18-wheeler 
dock bays there and also to give us an outdoor fellowship space where we can spend more time connecting with one another. Uh, we're also going to use some of that to finish up some other work that we have uh, already shared with you guys last Sunday there uh, during announcements to make sure the rest of the facility is uh, is most useful for our needs moving forward over the next uh, few years. And demo is starting just in the next few weeks. And so we're not waiting very long. We're getting right into this. So we're praying as we submit the permits that we get those uh, expedited and approved so we can start that work. But the demo is going to be starting really soon. So continue praying about that. And if you haven't already, consider your own giving as life group leaders and uh, be sharing this uh, these updates with your life group. National Equipped Conference is coming June 14th through the 16th. We're, we're going to be meeting for three days discussing what is the gospel and how we can defend the gospel, how we can know more about what the biblical gospel is, and how we know how to defend that and share that with people of all different kinds of faith and those who don't have faith at all. Um, it's uh, wonderful if you're trying to grow in your discipleship, if you're wanting to grow in evangelism and apologetics, you're going to be able to learn in all of those different disciplines at this equipped conference. So we want to encourage you to be there. There will be kids care for your children. And so nothing should stop you from this. And if it's a financial burden, you can let anybody know in your life groups that we'll make sure that we do not want to have any hurdle. We'll take away every hurdle. What we want is everybody at our church to uh, commit to being at this National Equipped Conference that they can grow and learn uh, in the, as a family uh, how to understand the gospel and its implications in our life. Last announcements, our, women bi- our women's Bible study, February 24th, we're meeting 9 a.m. here at Compass Bible Church. Uh, it's important for you, as even as a life group leader, to rally your women. Uh, this is an opportunity for you for the women to teach women. Titus 2 is, is just displayed in it, all of its glory and beauty here at our women's Bible study. And so encourage your gals to come together and to utilize this opportunity uh, to gather around uh, the, the prize in, of Christ. You know, when you think about our, our women, we want them to, we want all of our gals to be focusing on Christ, to be focusing on the gospel, that it would produce unity, it would produce faithfulness, and it would produce women who are understanding both their roles in their home, their roles uh, in society, uh, and their roles within our church family. What a wonderful way for our women to look around uh, at one another and for women who need to grow in their faith, they can find strong women there. For those strong women who are at our women's Bible study, they can look around and, and find other gals to come alongside. Just a wonderful tool that God has blessed us with our women's Bible study. So encourage all your women to be there at 9 o'clock at Compass on February the 24th as you continue your study through the letter to the Philippians. All right, Life Group leaders, I'm praying for you this week. I'm looking forward uh, to all of the testimonies I hear from uh, these Life Groups weekly. I think even uh, over the last four weeks, we've had the two highest weeks of guests attending Life Groups in the history of our church. This last week, there were 43 guests that uh, that visited Life Groups across uh, across the week, across your homes and campuses where all of our Life Groups meet. And I just think that's a huge blessing to see our church is growing and people are interested in plugging into community. So let's continue praying that many people would find a home in our life groups and uh, many of them would grow in their faith, that some who are interested, who aren't saved, would come to know 
Jesus Christ. I was just given a couple of testimonies recently of multiple people who got saved over the last few weeks through the preaching of God's word and through other people taking them through partners and sharing the gospel with him. And so all of that, I hope, encourages your socks off, that you recognize that the work that we're doing as a body of believers is producing much fruit for the kingdom of God. And so keep it up. Trust in the supremacy of Christ. Courageously follow Christ. And I'll see you next week.